Good morning. I just want to take a moment to reiterate the welcome you've already received because you are truly so welcome here, whether it's your first time, 10th time or 100th time. My name is Hannah and I'm a member of Kingdom Vineyard as well as being a student at the University in St Andrews. It's my pleasure this morning to walk through Psalm 62 with you, both continuing and rounding up our journey in the Psalms this summer. Our Rest and Reset series has been an opportunity for us as a church to slow down, take stock of where we're at and recharge. In some ways, this was a necessary response to the events going on in life around us, as we suddenly found many of our normal rhythms abruptly halted in March when lockdown began. But even without the circumstances of a global pandemic, these lessons are valuable. I firmly believe they hold key truths which will help unlock a deeper, richer way of living life with God. The psalm I've chosen to speak on this morning is Psalm 62. It's a song of trust, speaking of trusting God regardless of circumstance, something which we can all need a reminder of at times. And at its core is a message that falls neatly into the rest and reset bracket. My lovely friend Judith is now going to read the psalm for you in the ESV translation. If you have a Bible or Bible device with you, now would be a great time to flick to the right page. But if not, the audio visuals team have got you covered. Thank you, Alistair. And the words will appear as if by magic on the screen. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? Like a leaning wall, a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. See that. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. See that. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. 
setting no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. Thank you, Judith, for that reading. As I walk through this psalm, offering some reflections, I have three main points I wish to raise and even get excited. I have three alliterative points. Have I won the game yet? These points are silence, solitude and surrender. Joel's message last week talked of the strength that is available to us when we step into God's purposes walking in step with God, following his nudges and stepping out in faith. When we walk in step with God, we're stepping into God's own heart, accepting his invitation for partnering with him for his kingdom. This morning, I want to focus on three approaches of personal devotion that help us to be in right relationship with God. God wants to give us the restoration and the power that comes from right relationship. And just like Joel spoke of God's strength, we will find that our abilities multiply and our energies increase when we're in that place. So, on to the first of this morning's S's. Silence. Silence was one of the first things that stood out to me when reading this psalm. We find it in verse 1 and repeated again in verse 5. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Silence isn't something we find particularly regularly. It's something that we have to make a conscious choice to seek. And if you're anything like me, that doesn't happen often. In fact, I find it hard to choose silence because it feels strange. We live in a world of noise. Background noise, traffic, music, talking, even nature makes noise. Our problems make their home in the noise. And often, even our own thoughts keep us from finding a place of silence. I find even when I sit down to spend some quiet time to pray or even when I'm falling asleep, it's a battle to get my mind to stop enough to listen. How regularly are we choosing to spend time in silence, to wait in the silence? I don't know about you, but when I'm driving, it's my automatic response to turn some music on. 
whether that be the radio or through my phone, there's always something playing. A few years ago, this encounter happened that I wish to share with you. And up until that point, I'm not sure I'd ever driven in the car without music when I was by myself. There was something reassuring in the music when I was just starting out in the car with no one else there. But one journey, the music suddenly cut off. Suddenly, I didn't have the choice to make. The car made it for me. The silence took me by surprise. Even then, it wasn't exactly total silence. There was the thrum of the engine, the occasional rev when I tried to move away too quickly, or the sound of other cars driving past. It felt uncomfortable, but also made me hyper aware of my surroundings, giving space for my thoughts to slow down. I think our impression of silence is often a negative one. We try and avoid it, especially the so-called awkward silences that happen far too often on Zoom calls at the moment. Silence, in many ways, can be equated with the unknown or the dark. But I believe that there is a good kind of silence, one that is healthy, sustaining and God-focused. This psalm states that right from the very beginning and the psalmist continues to dwell in that space. The next time I stopped at some traffic lights, rather than frantically trying to put some kind of music back on, I chose to sit in the silence in the car. Despite the discomfort, I began to see it as an opportunity and started to pray out loud, having a conversation as if Jesus was sitting in the seat next to me. It felt odd and I'm sure it looked more than a bit odd too. But it has stuck with me as a special way of spending time with God. By choosing to spend time in the silence, we're making a choice to seek the still, small voice of God. There's a passage in 1 Kings that says this, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The story of Elijah meeting God on the mountain reminds us just of this. God doesn't need the flashy, exciting, jaw-dropping events to communicate with us. It's through the still, small voice 
and the subtle nudges of the Holy Spirit that we're able to build our relationship with him. Our second S links very closely to silence and is solitude. Perhaps that's not a word you hear commonly nowadays, but it's basically just spending time alone. An introvert's dream, you may say, but no. There is reason for solitude other than just social exhaustion. The psalmist is talking from a place of having learned that it's best to sit and wait in silence for God. This is seen in the confident way he states that the Lord is his salvation and his hope. But those lessons are ones that often can only be learned from that place of silence and solitude. The silence is the place of growth. Not necessarily easy, as most growth is long and painful, but it is still growth. Way back at the beginning of January, which feels like a very long time ago, Jim gave a sermon that looked at a vision for Kingdom Vineyard as a church for 2020. His challenge and invitation to us all was this. How is your own love for Jesus? Jim went on to say, it's just not possible for us to ride off the person next to us's relationship with God. While none of us would have predicted the turn of events we've seen as 2020 begun, we sure can be thankful that we have a pastor who faithfully listens and teaches what God has to say to us. That challenge has certainly turned into a reality for all of us as the safety barriers of communal worship and fellowship in person have been stripped away. While we still have online services and home groups, which are still the best way, especially at the moment, for these people you see on a Sunday to turn into family. So if you're not in one, can I encourage you to take a leap of faith and sign up? Anyway, we still have these to an extent, but we certainly can't piggyback anymore. Our own spiritual lives are on display and maybe you found your discipline slipping because I know I have. Lockdown has emphasized again for me the importance of spiritual disciplines. They're not easy by any means. University for me begun a journey of real growth in my personal spiritual life away from the comforts of home and the easy ride of my parents' faith. But that means that whenever I'm home, I find myself slipping back into old habits. It's a challenge for me to stick to the things I put in place when I'm at uni. I want to give a, just a couple of examples of what these disciplines or practices could look like in case you're wondering what on earth I'm talking about. The word discipline can sound intimidating, both to those exploring faith for the first time 
and those who have been journeying with God for years. But by the word discipline, all I mean is an exercise or practice that we try to routinely fit into our daily lives. They're often little things, but things that when implemented bring us closer to God and more in tune with his voice and heart. They are exercises that bring us closer to that right relationship, which is pleasing to God and good for us. One such exercise is one that was suggested in the Everyday Supernatural book by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft that we read together in home groups last year. The very beginning of that book encouraged us to practice spending 10 minutes a day just waiting on God and listening to him. It wasn't an active time of conversation, but instead us trying to clear our minds and listen to what God was saying. Trust me, it was a challenge. I certainly fell asleep a number of times while doing it. But more often than not, the sense of peace that I came away with, or the times where the 10 minutes just flew by and before I knew it, 20 or 30 minutes had passed, those times of sitting in God's presence were really precious. Other exercises include the daily examine or Lectio Divina. If you would like to hear more, please come and ask me. Or better yet, this is an ideal topic to bring up in a home group discussion. But there's just one more I'd like to touch on now before we move on. One of the hardest barriers I find to be able to sit and wait in silence is, as already mentioned, a racing, anxious brain. It can be hard to still yourself when it feels like your mind is going at 150 miles an hour. One thing I found which is incredibly helpful is something called a breathing prayer. It is very simple and gives your brain something to focus on. As you inhale, feel the air filling your lungs and speak over yourself. You are here, Lord. Pause, just like in the Psalms, we see places of Selah. Then, as you exhale slowly, finish the statement and I am with you. You can repeat it as many times as needed or have a number of different phrases, usually from scripture. Either way, it's a controlled, focused way of slowing down and centering ourselves on God. We had silence and then solitude. Finally, I want to speak about surrender. While the first two S's are important, no amount of silence or solitude will make up for our lack of surrender. They will not help us in our relationship with God unless we are willing to approach God in full surrender. 
This isn't an easy message to bring, but it is one that I believe we all need to hear, especially as we transition out of the rest and reset into the ever increasing busyness of life. The Psalmist implores on us the need to trust in God. The second time we hear the words in verse five, there is a change in emphasis. The first time, his words are ones of observation. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. Second time round, it's now an instruction. For God alone, all oh my soul wait in silence. In all circumstances, we should trust and wait on the Lord. Verse eight explains this in one sentence. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. At its heart, trust means surrender. To surrender our control, our circumstances, our emotions, and ultimately our lives. The call to surrender everything is not a popular message to a culture with a fierce independent streak. Our society praises independence. It celebrates not being controlled and sings, I did it my way. Thank you, Frank Sinatra. But unless we surrender to God's truth, his terms and purposes, we cannot come to him in relationship. It is the relationship that he designed us for. Silence and solitude will not help us unless we are willing to surrender. But God isn't asking us to surrender into some unknown. No, quite the opposite. We may not know the details of what our lives will look like, but we know the constant that will be alongside, regardless of what happens. The psalmist speaks a language of protection about God. He is called salvation in verse 1, rock in verse 2, fortress in verse 2, and refuge in verse 7. One translation of this psalm speaks of the rock and salvation as a safe place, providing a wrap around protection. Do you have a safe place? Somewhere similar to the fortresses of old in which you trust in its protection. With God, we surrender into a place of safety. The image of God as rock and salvation doesn't come from wishful thinking. It stems from the assurance of God as the God of victory, the God who delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, who saved Noah and his family from destruction. But more than just actions, God's character is true and constant. And because of God's character, 
we can trust him. God is trustworthy. In complete contrast, verses 9 and 10 show just how badly things will go when we try and go it alone. When our lives are in ruins, but our stubbornness, pride and self-importance get in the way of us surrendering our lives to God and returning to right relationship. Unlike people, God does not fade away. Unlike money and power, God remains. He is true. He loves you. He is trustworthy. And he is for you. It may feel countercultural, but surrendering to him is the best thing we can do. Psalm 62 finishes with worship, turning the lessons from the silence and revelation of God's character back into praise. The psalmist talks of God's steadfast love, which just means he has continually kept his promises. Again, the psalmist reiterates God's constancy. In surrendering, we are falling into the safety of God's steadfast, unfailing love. He can be our safe place if we choose to let him. Not only that, but surrender is a necessary step in our relationship with God. We cannot hope to grow closer to him unless we're willing to stop and let go. If you've never done this before, but want to, we'd love to pray with you as you take this next step in your relationship with God. It may feel scary, like stepping into the unknown, but God knows you and we can know him if we're willing to surrender. We're only going to succeed in finding the silence when we are willing to trust the noise to God. We are only able to access the benefits of silence and solitude if we first surrender. What noises do you need to surrender today? could be pride in the form of determination to do everything yourself without relying on anyone else, even God. It could be fear, fear that God will let you down just like people have in the past or fear that you've walked too far away from God and you can't come back to him. It could be emotions and you feel like you've sunk into some place so low that God can't help anymore. Whatever it is, God is inviting us to surrender. He's waiting for us, but it is our choice. 
Let's remain in this place of reflection and I'll pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to come even more and then leave some space. It may well feel uncomfortable, but I encourage you to wait it out. Come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, will you come and flood the homes and the hearts of the people listening this morning? Will you bring to the surface anything that is in the way of us surrendering to our right relationship with God? Father God, in your kindness, thank you for loving us the way you do. And so I pray for boldness and courage for us all to take the steps that we need to, to come closer to you. You are true and constant. And for that, we praise you. More of you, Jesus.